With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's J.D. Hammer and somebody else who I don't remember for Pat Mishak. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, who's it going to be this year? Can't wait to find out who we're going to trade for to get Jake Diekman. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hello and welcome to episode seven, the lucky episode of Affected by Altitude. I'm Ben Kuchnerkavich and I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Bradfield. How are you today, Sam? I'm good, Ben. Finally getting settled. <laughs> That's good. Uh, how are you enjoying the Denver area? I mean, it's good to be home. It's a little weird because I've been in Arizona for the last eight years. So six full time, four, four in the Phoenix area. So it's weird coming back. I feel like I kind of moved back in with my parents, even though I didn't. Um, it's been fine, you know, getting used to not seeing the sun every day. <laughs> Has it been like noticeably more humid than it would have been like in the dry heat? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more humid, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm, you know, drowning. So but, you know, it rains every afternoon, so there's going to be some humidity there, but it's not unbearable it, it was 110 in phoenix today um but yeah it is a dry heat so it is what it is <laughs> that's good uh, we're also joined by adam peterson one of our staff writers uh, oh my gosh he's more than a staff writer he's uh, one of the editors <laughs> at purple row yeah how I, are you today adam I, i'm fine i'm glad i didn't have to bust rank on you though so <laughs> <laughs> Take a good look. You won't see it for long. So let's start off today by talking about the first half as we have reached the all-star break. Lightning round here. Who is your team MVP for the Rockies in the first half, Sam? Oh, gosh. I think I'd probably have to say Nolan Arenado. Uh, He's been, I mean, he's been hitting really well. He's been solid on defense. And I really think um, he's definitely kind of held down, held the team together. When he's struggled, the team has struggled, and um, when he's been good, they, it seems to kind of lift everybody up. So I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go Nolan Arnado. What about you, Adam? Um, I, I'm really tempted to bring up Charlie Blackman just because uh, he's he's put up some pretty stupid numbers. Like he's he's OPSing over a thousand right now, but the the problem with that, and it kind of goes to the rest of the team, is his his home road splits are. Um, are a parody of themselves in, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, Coors Field has just been playing so funny. Uh, the whole league has been funny uh, offensively, but even more so at Coors. Um, so, but you look at you look at what Charlie's been doing. He's, you know, he looks good. He's he's been hitting well. I think the move into the corner outfield position, you know, mostly right field, has been good for him, but. Uh, yeah, he's got a 1480 OPS at home and a 630 OPS on the road. Uh, not, not great, Bob, not, not great, which, but the whole thing is just kind of emblematic of what the Rockies are doing overall. And so, um, he wouldn't necessarily be my MVP. He'd be more my, uh, this is who the Rockies are (laughs) kind of, uh, kind of view. All that's to say is that that doesn't even tell you who the MVP is. Um, I, I think it's Trevor story though. Uh, for me, you know, even though he missed, you know, about two weeks, he's been, he's been pretty consistent. I I think that Nolan has had a couple of inconveniently timed slumps. Uh, but Trevor has been, you know, pretty consistent week to week, uh, throughout the, throughout the year so far. So he's, uh, he's going to get my pick. Yeah, to your point about Blackman, he actually recently, like within the past week, overtook Nolan Arenado for the uh, team lead in DRC+. Plus. Granted, it's only by one point, but mm. uh, 
Nolan Arenado had the lead for most of the year. I'm going to go with a pitcher, though. I'm going to go with Herman Marquez. Um, I think while the rotation has had a lot of struggles, so John Gray's been a lot better lately. Uh, Marquez has been a big uh, con- piece of consistency in a rotation that has been anything but consistent for much of the year. So I'm going to mm. go with Herman Marquez for my team MVP. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to like. I I might have said that too, but when when I look at Marquez, like it just feels like this isn't to knock your pick at all. Like I think it's a good pick because he has been the most consistent member. Um, but you know, I, I feel like his start on Sunday uh, against Arizona, and then the start that he had last week, he made the start against um, the Astros, I think can't remember now but i just feel like marquez has just kind of had this uh struggle especially at course field where it's just you know at some point he just gets bit by that big inning which is uh, not ideal so but i think part of it too is i i read somewhere that his his usage patterns are really different now like i feel like he's not being able to use his curveball especially at home and i think that's hurting him uh, I think that's part of the reason we're seeing with the ball and I don't know. It's just th- this weird is screwy. This year is screwy all across baseball, but even more so for the Rockies. So that's just, uh, again, that's not disagreeing with your point. I, th- I think, I think he's a good pick. It's just, I look at Herman's season and I feel like he's the pitching version of like kind of the struggles of what the Rockies have had kind of big picture sense. That's a fair point. Well, let's talk about our grades for the rotation, our letter grades. Uh, Sam, what would you give the starting rotation in the first half? Hmm, I'd probably give them like a C plus because I think, you know, they they were really good last year and they've been, you know, kind of the strength for a while and or at least, you know, like last year. And this year they've been kind of all over the place. Um, you know, like you just said about, about Marquez, he was, you know, he's really, really good for a while and then he'll have like one blow up game or a blow up inning. Um, and then he'll kind of settle back in and throw really well. And then that, and then even with John Gray, John Gray has been better, a lot better this year. Um, but he's still kind of streaky. Um, and the rest, I mean, we've seen it with Freeland. Freeland got sent down to the minors and the rotation as a whole, I'd say like C plus they're not, they're not terrible, but they're certainly underperforming to a degree that I don't think anybody saw, but they're still not. Yeah. They're not terrible. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt with the C plus Adam. What do you think? Um, I think a C plus feels generous, but I also don't want to be too hard on them either. Uh, like I said, Coors Field has just been so, so nutty. So, like, they have the worst rotation ERA in baseball, but they also have to, you know, have been playing half their games at Coors Field. And so, uh, I, maybe, I'll just, maybe I'll just go a little lower and maybe say a C-. minus. Um, I think part of that is because, like you said, John Gray's been good. And like we've said already, like, Marquez has been good. Like, you know, he keeps getting snake bit, it feels like. But... Um, and Antonio Sensatella, who like can't find consistently like consistency. Like I feel like he steps on the mound. I have no idea if we're going to get, uh, you know, two runs over six innings or if we're going to get six runs over four innings. Like it's, um, but I still feel okay about him going out there, um, every, every fifth day, but yeah, losing, uh, Losing Freeland uh, to ineffectiveness and uh, losing Tyler Anderson to ineffectiveness and then injury. Uh, It's just been, it's been a tough year for the rotation and it's, uh, it's hard to know what the, what's going to look like going forward. Uh, But we'll talk, we'll talk about what that can look like later. I'll go in between and give the rotation a C. Um, Entering the season, I guess I'll eat crow a little bit. I thought this was going to be a top three rotation in all of baseball, to be honest. I thought it would be after uh, the Nationals and after Cleveland, I thought Rockies. But it has not turned out that way, as we have all definitely witnessed. Uh, I think Marquez, 
Gray have been good. I think Lambert is going to be a lot better than what we've seen as well. I'm really concerned about Sensatella, and I don't know if that's someone who's going to be a big piece of a playoff rotation. But we'll see how things go. There's plenty of opportunities for trade upgrades out there. We'll talk about that a little later on as well. Yeah. Let's move on. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna say Peter Lambert, I think, has been if you look at his numbers, it just it doesn't look like it's been a good year at all. Um, which is which is a real bummer. Um, you know, being one of the top prospects, right? Uh but you know, at the same time, I think uh I think he's availed himself pretty well. You know, I think he's been um I think he's been effective. Like, you know, he had those first two starts against the Cubs that went really well. And then he's had a couple, including two against the Dodgers that did not go well. But I think when it comes down to it, he he showed, he has shown why he is so highly regarded in the Rockies system. Uh, but maybe just because it's been kind of a tough year for the Rockies rotation. He's just been rushed a little bit. And that's the kind of sense that I get. The one thing I will say for Lambert is he doesn't get himself in trouble with walks. We know walks will haunt, especially at Coors Field. Yes. And um, just like at every level of the minors, he's keeping those walks down only 2.4 per nine. Well, 2.1 per nine innings at the majors this year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's huge. That, which is the opposite of Sendatella, who's like walking four guys every every nine innings at this point which is uh especially when he's striking out only five guys per nine like he he's making trouble and he can't necessarily get himself out of it so uh so yeah it there's there's reasons to be reasons to be encouraged for sure well and peter lambert still is very young so i mean this is his first trip up into Coors field so he's you know still figuring himself out and yeah i definitely agree that what we've seen from him is not indicative necessarily of how good he has been pitching or how good he can be. Um, but yeah, he's young. There's going to be some growing pains. So that's my two cents on Peter Lambert. <laughs> Moving on to the bullpen now, Sam, what would you give the pen for a grade this year? Oh gosh. The pen has been all over the place. So if we're thinking, you know, C is passing and C is, you know, at least, you know, keeping your head at sea level, they're probably not at sea level. Um, I'd probably give them like C minus borderline D plus. They've just been all over the place. Once again, our super bullpen is super not awesome. Um, you know, Wade Davis, you put Davis out there and you don't know what you're going to get. He might, you know, give up four runs and you're out of the game. But the only, like the only consistent spot really has been Scott Oberg. Um, the rest of them, you just kind of hope the starters can go five or six or seven so you don't have to go to the bullpen, and that's not a great spot to be in. So, yeah, I'd say, like, C minus, D plus. They've been not good. Adam, what do you uh, think? I'm, I'm going to challenge you on you never know what you're going to get with Wade Davis. You know that you're going to get at least one walk. Uh, and probably one strikeout, but who knows what happens in between all those. That's so, a good point. Um, yeah, I think I think I want to grade the bullpen on a curve, um, just because it seemed like the spot where you know the Rockies were most vulnerable coming into the season, and I think like they've availed themselves like quite nicely. I think uh, like when you look at them as a unit, at least, um, you know. I mean, run scoring is up all across the league. Like home run rates are spiking all over the league, um, and even with even considering that, like Rockies bullpen has been uh, has done pretty well. So I think I want to give them a, as much as a B minus. Um, again, that's very much grading on the curve. Like, uh, just you know, and I, I feel like. June has not been kind to the bullpen, which makes you nervous. Cause if you're struggling in June, that, that tells me like that they're out of gas and maybe they need to, add, they need to think very seriously about adding reinforcements so that they're not out of gas in August and September. But um, yeah, I think if I was being objective, I would be really low <laughs> uh, like you are Sam, but I think I want to grade them on a curve and, and give them a little bit more credit. Ben. 
Um, we know what we're going to get with Wade Davis. I know I'm going to need at least one Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> so that's true. Um, Scott Ober gets an A, and the rest of the bullpen will get a C. And some of the guys, like Jake McGee, has not been bad by any stretch of the imagination. Carlos Estevez has been fine at times. And it's I guess it is really just more of you don't know what you're going to get at times because some of these guys have shown they actually can pitch to major league hitters and get them out in key situations. And sometimes they don't. And mm -hmm. Jake McGee can't seem to get lefties out a lot of the times, and that's been a real problem. Yeah. Moving on to the offense, how would you grade the team that you just know they're going to hit, Sam? <laughs> well, you just know they're going to hit. I'd say as a whole, I think I'd probably give them about probably a B because they've been, I mean, they've been streaky and it seems at least like early going, like the whole team was slumping at once and then the whole team kind of got hot at once. So it seems like they're all kind of streaky together. Um, so I'd probably give them a B. They've they've held in there, but it seems like they kind of go quiet when they really need to. Like um, the second game against the Astros, they, like um, bats kind of went quiet. So I just feel like they're they're up to the challenge when they know they're going to win, um, or when they feel like they have a better shot. So yeah, I'd say B. Adam, um, I'm still thinking, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> um, I'll go with a B. Um, let's see here. Deserved runs created plus according to baseball prospectus puts, well, they put the Rockies at 22nd. That's actually worse than I thought. Mm. Um, maybe a B minus, uh, uh, the eye test they've certainly passed for, I want to say two thirds of the first half of the season. They went on that real big slump at the beginning of the season when they started three and 12 and then to end the first half, they also really started struggling collectively as well. Yeah. Adam. Yeah, they went four and twelve at the end of the season. Uh, Jordan Freemeyer, one of our staff writers, was uh, looked it up after the game the other day, and you know they went three and twelve. They started the first half three and twelve. They ended at four and eleven, and they went thirty-seven and twenty-two in between. So it's just it's it's such a weird such a weird team. And I think uh, Sam, I think you hit it that it's it has a lot to do with the offense. Um, and they have passed the eye test. Like, I mean, you look at, um, you know, Tony Walters with, he's hitting 285, 357, 375. Um, obviously that slugging number is, is really low, but I think every single one of us would have taken that from Tony Walters coming into the season. Um, so, you know, I think I think that's what we have a lot of in the, in the offense. Like we have guys who are doing way better or at or better than what we thought they would be. Um, you know, not to play too in the cliche, but you know, Nolan's going to hit, Trevor's going to hit, Charlie's going to hit. Like we already talked about, but like getting Ian Desmond to hit, um, getting Dahl healthy enough to where he can consistently hit, um, and getting getting Walters and even. To a certain extent, I and edit a hit. Like I think, I think because of those things, this team, this offense feels better than we thought it was going to. Um, but then, you know, Rand McMahon hasn't exactly run away with things. Uh, they called up Brendan Rodgers, and he has two extra base hits so far. Um, Daniel Murphy spent a lot of time hurt, and then it took a while to recover from that. And it feels like he's starting to get there, but he's still he's still below average hitter league wide. He still um, hasn't hit a home run at Coors. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, yeah, right. We didn't mention almost has more home runs. Than, we uh, didn't mention David Dahl yet, who is an all star and has been a big part of this offense. Just wanted to give a David Dahl shout out. Yeah, because David Dahl, like, I mean, I feel like there's some people who haven't been paying attention who would look at David Dahl and be like, why does he deserve an all star bid? But holy crap, man, like, the guy has he's been consistent, like, uh, you know, he's slashing 308, 352, 530. Um, so I I think I think he might be. Oh no, are we gonna do comeback player of the year or surprise player or breakout player? Because if we are, I th I think I might need to give that one to David Dahl, um, for the offense at least. because uh, you're right, Ben, he he's been great and he he deserves 
he deserves everything he's gotten so far. And I think, I think it's, it's, it'd be easy to overlook. I still haven't given the team a grade. Um, I'm going to do an anti-recency bias because the offense has been so bad over the six game losing streak to end the second half that like, there's a part of me that wants to give him like a C minus or something like that. Um, but I'm going to go anti-recency bias and give him a B plus. Um, I think there's still some holes in the team, some holes in the offense that could be plugged up by, uh, you know, by trade or, you know, someone just stepping up, but, um, but to hear that they're 22nd DRC plus like tells me that's how crazy part of me tell part of me says that's just how crazy course field has been. All right. Um, I want to talk about the defense, but also you brought up comeback player of the year. So I'm going to, I'm going to quick say the comeback player of the year for me, I guess is Ian Desmond so far. I mean, it's just, (laughs) there's just, there was not, not, um, there wasn't like, he didn't have to do much to win this award, uh, the comeback (laughs) player of the year, but he, uh, he wins it for me. Defense. I am going to give the infield an A minus. Daniel Murphy has actually not really been very good at first base from my vantage point. McMahon, I think, has been fine. I think McMahon is, he's no DJ LeMayhew, but he is very serviceable at second base, in my opinion. And then Story Arenado, we know what we're going to get from them, and that's gold golf caliber defense. Outfield, I saw Desmond now has a minus 16 defensive run saved, so he is not doing well in center. Blackman's minus six defensive run saved in right field is actually really good compared to where he was at last year. And then I think David Dahl is serviceable out there. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I think I kind of have to agree with you um, on that. I mean, the infield has always been a strength of the Rockies. Um, I mean, the thing, yeah, the thing about McMahon is he's playing his third new position in three years. Um, And I mean, I even talked to him about this earlier on at one point. And he, I asked him, you know, how are you adjusting to second base? And he's just like, man, it's so different. I feel like I'm playing a new position every year. Um, so, I mean, considering that he's been shifted to a an unnatural position for him, I think he's been fine. I mean, yes, he's no DJ LeMayhew, especially right now, um, where DJ's tearing up the American League all over the place. But, you know, he's serviceable. He's not awful. And then, yeah, Daniel Murphy's been kind of all over the place. Um, and even like Mark Reynolds, it, you know, he's been, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah, the Arenado and story are going to be fine. The outfield has been okay. Um, I'd say maybe like a B, um, Desmond's been tricky. He's been, you know, at times he's made some amazing catches and at other times he's watched it sail over his head and let two run score. Um, <laughs> and you know, yeah, doll has been really good. Um, despite kind of playing where Desmond isn't, um, or in spot of Desmond in center when he needs a day off. Blackman's been fine, uh, struggled early, but has kind of come around to playing right field. And then Toppy has been, eh, still looks a little lost out there sometimes, but we'll see if he, see if he comes around. So I'd say probably a B for the outfield and then the, um, a minus for the, uh, the infield. And if we're going comeback player of the year, um, I might have to say Tony Walters, um, you know, started the, started in the wild card game last year with that great hit. And then ever since then, I think, yeah, Adam, you said he was hitting 285. Um, I was talking with a couple reporters earlier this year about, uh, we were just talking in the hallway about things you never would have saw coming this year. And one of them was Tony Walters hitting up, you know, up around 300, um, so I might have to say Tony Walters, he's doing really well in like situational at bats and, you know, yes, his slugging is low, but he's knocking in the runs where he needs to. So hmm. yeah. yeah, Adam, uh, I want to give a quick shout out on comeback players. I'm sorry that <laughs> threw, threw us off there. Uh, let's not forget about Brian Shaw. Like Brian Shaw was someone that I was ready to just make go away. Um, <laughs> And kind of like Mike Dunn has, wait, it, where's Mike Dunn these days? doesn't matter. Do but, uh, Free agent. Oh, he, okay. So he's not, he's not in triple He's not a Rocky. But, no. Um, I just, 
I realized a week or two ago, Brian Shaw came into a game and gave up some runs and I was surprised. Um, and I was surprised at being surprised. <laughs> so I just, I want to make sure Brian Shaw gets, gets a little bit of, gets a little bit of love too. Uh, as far as the defense goes, I'll, I'll start with the outfield and just say, uh, Ian Desmond has been more of an adventure than I might've expected. Um, I think it's because it's just, it's so hot and cold. I think it's not just like, oh, he doesn't have range or, oh, he gets bad reads. It's like, just like, sometimes it's like, how, like, how did you miss that? And then there's other times it's like, how did you catch that? Um, so, you know, StatCast has him at a negative six uh, outs above average, which is not the worst in the league, um, but it's not, it's not good either. Um, he's, he's the seventh worst in the league, tied for seventh worst, uh, Charlie Blackman tied for 10th worst, negative five, but, uh, but Tapia and Dahl have been above average, um, you know, three outs above average for Dahl, two outs above average for Tapia. And this is all based on stat cast, like catch probability and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm, it's hard when two thirds of your defense outfield defense is, it's kind of struggling. And it's it's really hard when you're playing defense in Coors Field. Like if your outfield defense struggles out there, like you're you're in for a long day, and and we've seen that. Uh, as far as infield defense goes, uh, I think I think Daniel Murphy has been more of a penguin out there than I anticipated, which is hilarious when he's like lumbering back to the dugout after scoring a run. Uh, he's such a it's goofy goofy fun, but. Um, yeah, I think <sighs> taking that, taking the defense into account from him, like I, he hasn't been worse than I expected. I'll, I'll say that maybe my expectations were a little bit low, but I, I feel okay about Daniel Murphy over at first base. Like he just doesn't have range and like you can slide a credit card under his vertical. Like that's fine. Um, but, but in general, like I, f- I feel okay about our defense. You know, I think I'll just go overall B minus the last week and a half has been really bad. Like it's hard doing these grades and not having recency bias just because you know you lose six in a row and you know, everything is bad to a certain extent. And it's like, there's only a couple close games that they lost in those six. And in that four and four and 11 stretch, there's only been a few close games as well. Um, so I'm trying to not have this recency bias against how, how they've performed, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure how it gets better at this point, uh, but it's kind of where we are. For the sake of completeness, I forgot to give a letter grade to the outfield, and I'm going to give them a D plus. And I forgot that catching is also a position that's pretty important on defense. And Tony <laughs> Walters has done a really good job. Chris Iannetta is not a great defender from my vantage point. So I will give a B to the catcher defense because Walters is very good and Ionetta is not. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think if I was to break it up, I wouldn't necessarily go as low as a D plus on the outfield just because, again, I, I think I'm just grading on the curve with everyone here. It's it's hard playing defense in Coors Field's outfield for half the time. Um, but I do think it's like, it's about C minus range uh, for the outfield. B plus range for the infield and yeah, I'll, I'll agree with the B for the catcher like Tony Walters. Yeah. If, we, if we're talking about comeback or surprise or whatever player, like it, it's gotta be Walters. Cause he's, he's gotten the defense back. He's actually hitting like it's uh you know, Renee has, you know, on, on the site has been sounding an alarm. That's like, Hey, the catching core is just fine. Like it's fine. So I've been saying that for the last year and a half at least. And, starting to look like she's pretty right it's that mustache man i'm telling you we 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 don't want to dash on that stash nope (laughs) tony two bags or three bags um let's talk however many (laughs) let's talk big picture now and adam you like to look at playoff odds what are we seeing that's a little bit different than what we saw earlier in the year for the rockies um when it comes to the Rockies, frankly, not much, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Um, they're still hovering in the uh, 
in the middle third on playoff odds. Um, frankly, frankly, they're teetering on the uh, lower third at, at this point, just because of that six-game losing streak. Um, I would, uh, I would like it if there you could play some counterfactuals with some of these projection sites and just kind of see like if they would have gone three and three over their last six instead of zero oh and six, uh, what things might look like. But you know they're they're hanging out right around that you know, 10 to 20% range for playoff odds, which puts them, you know, one of the, like the eighth, ninth, 10th best team in the league. Uh, you know, and that's frankly coming into the season. That's kind of where I had them. I think uh, what's surprising is to see two, two things, you know, I got this, I got them. I'm looking at them all right now from baseball perspectives, fan graphs and five thirty-eight, and you know, the Braves keep climbing up. They, they keep having a great year. And the Nationals are all of a sudden in third place, uh, have the third best record in the National League, which uh, was not the case uh, a month ago. And the Brewers have fallen completely off. It's, um, they they had a worse month. They had a worse last 30 games than the Rockies did. That's for sure. But overall, it's just it's just crowded. Uh, you know, they, the second best team in the league and the, uh, 10th best team in the league are separated by three games. Uh, it, that's, I mean, that is, that is tough. Uh, the, the league is, I, I expected more of the teams to be good, you know, decent to good. And, and instead it looks like we just got a ton of just decent teams that are just kind of scratching and crawling, uh, scratching and clawing, but Overall, I think I think the Rockies are just kind of in this place where they need to get better. Um, if, if they need to make changes, I should say, uh, if they don't make some changes, then you know, come the rest of June, July, the rest of July, and into August, I mean, they're called the dog days for a reason. It's that's what really starts separating teams. And uh, if if they don't make some changes, then we could be looking at a team come mid-August that's you know just saying, well, we want to have a winning record this year instead of, well, we want to go back to the playoffs. So looking at, I guess, what we can expect as sort of a preview of uh, the second half, how do we think the Rockies are looking in terms of their competition? How difficult is it going to be for them? So Fangraphs does kind of a strength of schedule uh, indicator for, for the rest of the season, rest of the season strength of schedule. Um, I'm not sure exactly everything that goes into that. I'm not sure if that's just like their combined overall record of the opponents or, or whatever. Um, but this is part of the reason why I'm a little nervous for the rest of the second half and why changes really need to be made because uh, it gets it gets tough from here on out. Um, we were looking at the schedule earlier. I'm not sure uh, if you guys still have that up, but based on what Fangraphs has, um, the team, the Five teams with the hardest remaining strength of schedule in order are the Giants, Rockies, Marlins, Padres, and Cardinals. Uh, and two of those teams, you'd expect that because they're the worst teams in the leagues. And so they're playing, they don't get to play themselves very much. And so their rest of the season strength of schedule goes up. But you know, the Rockies are are right up there with them. You know, they've they've got a lot of games left against these against these good teams. So uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers, uh, again, being the best team in the league by quite the stretch, actually, they, they're sitting pretty with, uh, the second easiest strength of schedule. Shockingly enough, the Mets, the Mets have the easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the season. I don't know how that works. They must be playing the Marlins like 20 times. Uh, they must not have played them at all yet or something like that. Cause it's crazy to me. But uh, but yeah, so when we're looking big picture, when we look at playoff odds, when we're looking at strength of schedule, uh, it's it, it just looks tough. Uh, I don't know if you all have any thoughts or insight. Rockies probably need to make multiple moves in order to weather the storm that's facing them. We'll talk about that more in our trade deadline segment. from the party deck all righty welcome back 
And we are now joined by Nick Herzog and Eric Garcia McKinley. We're going to talk trade deadline here in just a moment. But first, uh, Nick, we heard you had an interesting Uber passenger the other day. You want to tell us about that? As a matter of fact, I did. So I was out Ubering on, uh, see, it was July 3rd. And I got a request from somebody named Alex. And it was at the Denver Chop House. I just dropped somebody off at Union Station. And I'm on my way over to the Chop House. And I get this note that says, like, hey, man, I'm back in the in the player parking area. It's kind of confusing. You have to, like, go around or something. And it was, like, like a little explanation like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I, I didn't know there was a player parking area at the Denver Chop House. <laughs> so this is all new to me. So it turns out, yeah, if you pull around like past the valet parking and you go around to the back, there's a part a, a spot back there where evidently the, it's like reserved for players and they can park back there. So a lot of them go to the chop house before the game or whatever. And I've heard about people seeing players at the chop house before. I think I know somebody that ran into Tulo there one time and stuff. So this must be fairly common. Um, but anyway, I'm so I'm thinking as I'm driving over there, I'm like players lot, Alex. I can't think of a player named Alex on the <laughs> on the Rockies, right? So I'm thinking, well. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a, an Astros player, or maybe it's just some random person. So I get to the back and I pick up this guy, and he looks like vaguely familiar, and he definitely looked like an athlete. He was he was tall, well built. Dude, he gets to the back, and he's got this huge Rockies like duffel bag, like packed full. Um, so we put it in the trunk, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm just going to the hotel right down the street." He's like, "I'd normally walk, but I, this bag's too heavy." And I'm like, "Oh, it's it's no problem." So. About 30 seconds in, this is not a long ride, by the way. We are going to Union Station, back from the, to the, from the chop house to Union Station. So I have about a minute and a half or two minutes with this guy. Um, so it doesn't take me too long, though. I'm like, so so are you a player? And he's like, uh, yeah, man, it's Rocky. He's like, I'm a Rocky. I just got sent down because Trevor Story's coming off the DL. And I'm, so I'm like scrambling my mind. I'm like, Alex, how, how? I'm like, dude, I, I follow the Rockies really closely. I, I, I'm on a podcast and stuff like, uh, who, who, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, yeah, a lot of people know me by Chi Chi. It was Chi Chi Gonzalez. He had just gotten sent down to make room for Trevor's story coming back up. And I was like, oh, so apparently his real name's Alex, which I didn't know until this Uber ride. Um, and uh, w- mostly what I want to report about this this brief conversation we have is just how stinking cool he was. He was such a down-to-earth, like, chill guy, really positive energy. Um, he said that he, he had nothing but positive things to say about the Rockies. He was like, man, I'm really bummed out to be heading down. I complimented him on his pitching. I was like, I think, you know, f- for what you were asked to do, I was like, I thought you pitched really well in those two games. He was like, yeah, I was happy with it. He said the Rockies were happy with it. They, it was nothing about his play that got him sent down. You know, it was just a roster issue. Um, and he's he's expecting to be back up. We talked a little bit about Kyle Freeland, though. I So I, I after he said that, I just kind of threw something out. And I was like, yeah, you know, dude, baseball is so such a weird game this way because there's such a small margin for error. You know, there's not a lot of sports where a star pitcher like Kyle Freeland, you know, is going to be in the minor leagues after a couple of great <laughs> great seasons like it just doesn't happen in other sports you know uh, the, the fall off is much longer typically and he was like yeah like totally agreed with that and he was like but don't he's like more or less like don't worry about freeland he's gonna be back soon um and i just thought that was really cool coming from somebody who's also kind of in competition for a roster spot you know to, to show so much confidence in freeland and, and to be so positive about him so i just thought i'd share that with the the rockies rockies nation we should all be rooting for uh for Alex Gonzalez, <laughs> Chichi, um, who was uh, just super cool, and awesome. and yeah, I, I'm a huge I fan just now. Confirmed on Baseball Reference, real name Alexander Gonzalez. So you were not you were not swindled by a false Chichi. So that was legit. No, and actually, uh, Chichi, yeah, his yeah his real name is Alex, but um, Chichi was a nickname given to him by his grandfather. Um, as a kid. So he said, I think I was watching an isotopes broadcast one time and he was pitching and they said, um, he thought there were too many Alex Gonzalez's, um, in major league baseball, minor league baseball. And, uh, so he decided to go by Chi Chi to make himself stand out. So this was my first experience, uh, talking to an athlete in person. I will say from my experience as an Uber driver, I do not generally hear positive things about athletes from people like wait staff 
or bartenders, <laughs> etc. They the stories about athletes generally are negative. Um, and you know, there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, and I don't want to go too deeply into it, but in a town where John Elway is like super famous, uh, not the best reputation among service industry folk for John Elway. Let me throw that out there. And it's, it's a shame that somebody that, you know, owns this town isn't more well-regarded by, by general, you know, the general population that's had dealings with him. Um, of course these are anecdotal bits. So, you know, who, who, who knows what he's what he's really like, but, um, but just to have such a positive experience with a guy who had just gotten sent down. I mean, he was on his way out of town. He's everything he had was, was in that bag that was in my trunk and, and to have somebody be so positive and, uh, just, just, um, you know, really upbeat about the Rockies and where they are in the team and, 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 and happy to be here. I thought that was, uh, awesome and worth sharing. Well, speaking of players on the move, the trade deadline is coming up, and it's a hard trade deadline this year, July 31st. And we'll see if Nick could be Ubering some more players around entering or leaving the Colorado Rockies. Ooh. Uh, so let's start with... Uh, <laughs> that was a very good transition, Ben. That was really good. Let's start with Eric. Um, should the Rockies buy or sell? Um, you know, I... I I, I, I take a lesson from Sage Farron, one of uh, one of Purple Rose's most stalwart commentators and uh, former staff member. And what they say is it's not an either or. Um, the Rockies can be buyers and sellers at the same time. That said, I think I think they should be buying. Like, I mean, they, there's there's a very clear need there. That clear need in my mind is the rotation rotation help. Um, I really, you know, I, I, you know, I hope, I hope Chi Chi is right that Kyle Freeland is like quickly on his way back. He had a, he had a great start this last time and hopefully, hopefully those, those terrible starts were just him working on stuff and not worrying too much about the results. Um, but at the same time, like, man, it's, it's really hard right now. It's hard to see Kyle Freeland 2018 coming back. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping the Rockies, I'm hoping the Rockies look to upgrade the rotation first and foremost. Um, you know, I mean, I I I really like Marcus Stroman. I think he'd be he'd be a great guy to get, especially since he's under control for another year after this. So, he's he's the one I'm looking at, and that's the that's the spot I'd I'd like to see the Rockies buy. Yeah, so I've been hearing some interesting ideas in Denver media this week about what the Rockies should do, where they're at. Um. I, I agree with Eric. I, I think they need to be buying. I think they're in a window uh, right now that we need to take advantage of. And as Eric said, there is a clear need at starting pitching. More often than not with the Rockies, that is the clear need, unfortunately. Uh, so we're not in a super unique position here, um, although it is a little weird considering the last two years we thought the rotation was really going to be the strength of this this current makeup. Um, and, and now that's fallen off some. But there's there's definitely a need there, and there's there's a lot of pitching, or, or there's some, there's some quality pitching available. It looks like, and so there's definitely a, a possibility for the Rockies to go after somebody. Something I heard thrown out today on the radio um, was the possibility of trading. Do, do you trade a guy like Kyle Freeland to make one of these pitching deals happen? Um, now it. On the surface, I think sounds counterintuitive to say we're going to trade pitching for pitching, um, but there is a risk in hanging on to Freeland now that now that he's in the minors and we don't know exactly if he's going to be able to get this thing turned around. Is that the kind of guy that you maybe do unload and run with a more established starter to make a playoff run right now? Um, I, I don't like it. My gut reaction is to say, no, this is, that's ridiculous. Like, uh, Freeland's a homegrown guy. He's super popular here. He's got a super bright upside. He was fourth in Cy Young voting last year. He's going to get it turned around, but it's something I will throw out as, uh, cause I think a lot of times what we think about is, well, we'll trade one of, you know, we got this great offense right now. Let's trade some hitting for some pitching. Um, what if that's not the well, deal I, that's on the know, table? I think like that, I that's an interesting, provocative <laughs> proposal there but i think like if you're gonna if you're gonna trade pitching for pitching mm -hmm. right now even with all those troubles this year i trust kyle freeland more than i trust peter lambert 
Um, because so if you're going to do that, I'd rather I'd rather the Rockies like unload Peter Lambert, who's way more of a wild card, I think, than Kyle Freeland. And like, I think with the stock that's in Kyle Freeland right now, I think this is probably one of the worst times to trade him, uh, considering how he's performed. And like, conversely, people in the Purple Row comments have talked about trading Ian Desmond. And like his stock has never been higher as a Colorado Rocky than it is right now. What what have you been we've been seeing from the comments in that, Eric? Um, well, just that. A lot of people a lot of people writing in comments lately are saying, now's now trade Ian Desmond. <laughs> trade him now. He's 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 never been more valuable. Like just unload him now. Let's see what we can get. But like what's interesting there is like those those comments come from the 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 selling perspective. And one of these and so it only makes sense to trade Ian Desmond right now if you're conceding the season, because I think like I think it's pretty indisputable that Ian Desmond's like this season has been a pretty important part of the team. So if you're going to trade Ian Desmond because he has a high value right now, you're sort of conceding 2019. And so that's 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 a perspective that's out there, um, I'm sure, in other places besides Purple Row comments. But that's something I've been seeing that. I, I sort of get, but to me, it's like, I mean, like Nick said, like you're, you're, you're in the thick of it right now. Like don't trade, don't trade an asset at the moment. Yeah. And other teams, I think as Rockies fans, we look at this and we go, well, we've been uh, wishing we could get rid of Ian Desmond for two years. Now he's good for a couple of months. Now we can get rid of him. Like other teams know he's been bad for two years too. You know, like they realize that this could just be a flash in the pan, that he's an aging player. Um, so what are you going to get real realistically for Ian Desmond? I mean, it, it would be a, a move where I, I think it would feel like the Rockies were just offloading some salary trying to get out of a bad contract, which maybe there maybe there's an argument to be had for doing that. But is that really sending a message to the team that we're trying to get better for this season? We're trying to make a run this season, or is it more of a we're gonna we're gonna uh, you know, reevaluate. We're going to, we're going to shuffle some pieces around and look toward the future. Um, and I think this is a tough decision. I, I I'm honestly kind of torn right now because the pitching staff has not like, they're not winning in the playoffs with this pitching staff, the way, it, the way it currently is. I don't think. So I I'm torn because I thought they had a, a, con, a, a contending pitching staff and the offense just needed to come around. Well, we're seeing offense now. We don't have the pitching and we we all know that pitching is more important in the playoffs. So where does that leave them? Is it is it are we just a pitcher away and 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 we hope that a couple of these guys have bounce back second halves or is it time to start looking at at rebuilding the pitching staff? Um and the only way you're going to do that is by making some trades. I don't know. Well, I'm e- torn about it. Even beyond that, like if you look at the outfield, like or just depth in you know in the system, um, you know, if we trade Ian Desmond, who's going to come up and replace him? I mean, you could bring up Jonathan Daza, who's been hitting you know really really well in AAA, but then it came up early this year and struggled a little bit. But he also played like six games. So you've also got Sam Hilliard down there. Um, who could you know? He's hitting. He has twenty four home runs, but he he's, also strikes he, he out. He would about strike out fifty percent of the so, time. So you know, do we do we have more depth in the pitching staff, or more depth in the pitching staff, or more depth in the outfield? So when it comes to the question of do you buy or do you sell for me, and this is coming from the guy who said the Rockies are going to be eighty two and eighty, I think you should buy. And it's not. And the Rockies entering the break a game below five hundred. It's not. It's not a great record and one that I normally say you should buy. But two and a half games out of the wild card, it speaks to how bad the rest of the National League has been. But it also brings up the question of how much do you want to buy and like sell off your assets to compete in this one game playoff. And I guess that's a question we've been asking ever since the wild card was first introduced. Yeah. Is a one game playoff worth, I don't know, Brendan Rogers or something like if you're, if you're going to have to give up a really good asset to bring in a really good pitcher, you know, if you want to bring in, I don't know, Madison Bumgarner, like, are you willing to give up somebody like I don't I don't know what it'll take to get him. I'm just throwing something out. The Rockies' most tradable asset is probably Brendan Rodgers. Um are you willing to give that up for a shot at a one game play in game with a pitching staff that's below average? I don't know. 
Well, I mean, on um, you know, it yeah, it it de- it depends on who on who it's for. I mean, I think like I think the Rockies have never thought of it like this way in the past with their top prospects. They've thought a little bit more like um, Sam suggested here, thinking more about like who's the depth, who's the person that's going to be replaced, like what's in the pipeline here. I think I would like to see the Rockies sometimes be a little bit more aggressive with trading some of their higher level prospects. Um, Cause like, I mean, what Brewers fan is there around these days that is missing Lewis Brinson after getting Christian Yelich? Like, I mean, nobody. And that was a, that was a big all in move. Um, if the Rockies could trade, if the Rockies found the right one, if that really made sense, like, yeah, why not? I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if that's around this year. I don't know if like that's on the table, like at this deadline, but I don't know. It's like, I, I don't, I, I think that's, that's too much buying. I think, I think maybe too, we should have, we could, we should think of some gradations of what buying and selling because like trading Brendan Rogers, like, I don't think there's anybody available that would be worth it to trade Brendan Rogers. So like Ken Rosenthal wrote in an article, he kind of suggested trading Jake, that the Rockies might want to trade Jake McGee. And like, that's not like a hard sell. Like if somebody wants to pick up Jake McGee and you can get some sort of surplus value for him, I mean, you can, you might as well do that. Yeah. I definitely think it's likely we see some, something done. Um, I, I think the Rockies, my impression is that, you know, they, they believe they're in a, a window of contention and they want to, they want to compete while they have Arenado. Um, we have three more years, right? Or two and a half left um, to get them to stay. So, uh, you know, we, there's there's some pressure to keep winning. Um, you know, Blackman's having an unbelievable year, but he's getting older. Like, you know, how, how much longer are, are you going to get this kind of production from him? Um, yeah, you know, there's 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 just def- there's definitely an opportunity here if we can get the pitching. Yeah, and that's, out, but I that's think a that's, big that's, if, that's really the so. critical point too, is because windows aren't open forever. And I think back to Sam's point that she mentioned earlier about about depth. I think if you trade Ian Desmond right now, there's it's it's shallower in the outfield than it is for the for the starting rotation. I don't think Jonathan Daza is like I think no more than a fourth outfielder. Sam Hilliard has hit a lot of home runs in a hitting league and has struck out a ton i mean he's he would be like he's like a sam hilliard is probably like a a poor man's joey gallo (laughs) i mean and a poor poor man's joey gallo at that um so so yeah so i think like i mean i i don't think i i think i think you got to protect that depth because like even rymel tapia is like more and more it's starting to know who Raimel Tapia is and maybe he's not an everyday player. And so it's, it, it feels like Ian Desmond, Charlie Blackman and David Dahl with Raimel Tapia support forms a really good outfield core. But if you trade Ian Desmond, you're giving up on 2019. And I don't see that as a, I don't see that as a net positive. We all know what, what is going to happen, right? I mean, Jeff Breidich is going to trade for the fifth best reliever on the market and we're going to, and we're going to call it a deadline. <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah and they'll they'll give up uh some that, guy yeah. in Purple, like high singly Purp, that Purp's i've never number heard of. like 14 and 27 are are going to be traded for the fifth best yeah. reliever on the market that high huh <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and like a backup yeah. Like a third string in. catcher. Oh yeah, the, who's, who's the next Drew Butera to get come? Yeah, <laughs> maybe Drew Butera. <laughs> mm-hmm. True, true. <laughs> yeah, <it> could be. <laughs> so my my three players on my wish list for this trade deadline. Not even thinking about who we might have to give up for them. Matthew Boyd, starting pitcher. Will Smith, reliever, and Derek Dietrich to add to the offense. Dietrich as just a replacement for Mark Reynolds on the bench. I looked at Dietrich's uh, numbers, though, and you're going to have to only play him against righties because I looked at his numbers against lefties. When we talk about Nolan Arenado's numbers versus lefties, we say not suitable for work because they're so good. But Dietrich, it's not suitable for work because it's so bad. So Dietrich's only going to have to play against righties, but he can play all over the field, too. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd be down. I mean, somebody's got to replace Mark Reynolds. Like, I mean, somebody's got to replace him. Yeah. I'm, I'll volunteer. Yeah, I'll, and I'll, 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 I'll sign that yeah. petition. I can yeah. hit zero for thirty. I absolutely can do yeah. that. 
Yeah, or whatever. So like, it was. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking a lot about the rotation, but yeah, some thump from the bench or some sort of something, somebody who could who could be good off of the bench and like provide some utility in the infield. Like Mark Reynolds has just been like pretty pretty unplayable this season. I'd like to kind of approach this from a different angle, which is who are you willing to give up at this? Because I, I almost feel like that kind of determines who we could actually go for is you know, what, what are we actually willing to sacrifice? Well, like I'm starting to think I'm willing to sacrifice Brendan Rogers. I, I think there, I like if, if, if we could get somebody like Stroman, I don't know. Like we've got a we've got a pretty loaded infield at the moment. Anyway, he's still a prospect. We've seen you know a few flashes. I don't know. I think I think I think Matt Boyd, who Ben mentioned, would be one of the guys that would really require Brendan Rogers because he's um, he's under team control for a few more years after this. Um, Marcus Stroman is under control through next year. He might. I mean, the Rockies could maybe swing it without. I mean, I. I mean, in any scenario, I'd I'd be willing to give up Brendan Rodgers for like for somebody who could help the Rockies win the World Series in 2019. I'm just not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure that guy's out there right now. What could sweet? I mean, any. What could sweeten the deal with uh, Matthew Boyd from the Tigers is Shane Green, who has been he's the lone all star for the Tigers this season. Uh, don't know how much Breitich wants to give to a uh, another reliever who is going to be controllable for yet another season. But that would be a possibility, too. Yeah, that would I mean, like re- relief help is always good for at the tra- trade deadline. So, yeah, I mean, that would be that'd be a nice pot. Yeah, and honestly, the fifth best reliever that's available right now, yeah. I'm fine with that. Dude, like that would be any any help will be what about helpful you, at this point in the what in about the you, Sam? Who who's are there any untouchables from your from your perspective? Hmm. Like prospects wise and players wise, like I don't know. Um, I mean, we haven't talked a lot about uh, Ryan McMahon, which is funny because he was he was brought up a lot last year. Um, I think as a you know get rid of him so we can bring up Brendan Rodgers, um, kind of a deal. And McMahon's been playing okay. Um, I think you know as he's he's just streaky, um, so that's something to consider. I don't know. There, I mean, there's a lot of like, and some of the guys haven't been performing really well going through like the the pebble reports and the prospects and everything like you know colton welker has been kind of he was named an eastern league all-star and i think has gone like five for 40 or something since then um so yeah i don't know so i'm just i'm thinking of who the names would be of like those middle tier prospects who could be traded for the fifth best reliever and i think i have come up with Mitchell Kilkenny and Eddie Diaz, and we'll go with that. All right, all right. So perfect. I've never be, heard of either be of this them. This year's JD Hammer and um... Forrest Wall and Chad <laughs> Spanberger. I think were the trades for O, right? Yes, yeah. and it was JD Hammer and somebody else who I don't remember for Pat Neshek. So. Yeah. So yeah. So who's it going to be this year? Can't wait to find out who we're going to trade for to get Jake Diekman. (laughs) So what are we looking at for the upcoming schedule after the All-Star break is over? So after the All-Star break... Uh, the Rockies are at home this year. They have three against the Cincinnati Reds and then three against the San Francisco Giants. Then they have an off day on Thursday the 18th. Then they go to the East Coast for three against the Yankees, uh, four against Washington, and three in Cincinnati, and then they'll come back again at the end of July. Um, so a couple of notes on that schedule, though. 
Actually, they have four against San Francisco. Sorry, because on July 15th is a doubleheader. It's a makeup um, of an earlier game. And it's the first game starts at 12.10 Mountain Time. The second game starts at 6.40 Mountain Time. That's Monday, July 15th. Um, that's on MLB Network Out of Market. Uh, July 17th is only on NBC Sports Bay Area or on KOA for Rockies fans. Um, and then the Yankees, Friday, July 19th, and Saturday, July 20th on MLB Network Out of Market. And then July 21st is on AT&T, Sportsnet, and TBS, both um, at the same time. Well, thank you for joining us on episode seven of Affected by Altitude. I have been Ben Kuchnerkavich at B. Kuchnerkavich on Twitter. And I'm Sam Bradfield at Sammy B underscore 27 on Twitter. So thanks once again for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time.